So today's talk is the advent of peace, the advent topic of peace. I'm going to read a few things. I may upset people today. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. So this won't upset anybody. I love this. I, I, a friend of mine said to me at a group I was with this week, and she said, you know, God loves us just as we are, but God loves us too much to let us stay that way. And that's why we keep being confronted with new situations, with new things to forgive, with new humiliations. <laughs> Sometimes it's so embarrassing to be a human being, isn't it? <laughs> it's never embarrassing to be a spiritual being. It's in our humanness that we are embarrassed. It's in our body and it's all its necessary functions. And the way people treat us and the way we treat others sometimes, it's, it's embarrassing. And so when we, and if we start to believe the conditions, we stay embarrassed. But if we insist that there is more to this than meets the eye, then there is no cause for embarrassment, there is no cause for shame, there is no cause for guilt. There is no, there is no hell to send anyone to, and there is no hell to send ourselves to. I, I looked at, one of, when my friend said this the other day, God loves us just as we are and loves us too much to let us stay that way. I was so relieved because it took my judgment of situations away. It relieved a lot of my opinions and it relieved my resistance to changing. I have been changing since I was born. Anybody? You know, one of my favorite lines is, is anybody here the same size as they were when they were born? <laughs> you know, you, we've been growing with change, and if you are, you're poor mother. <laughs> but to expand and grow, not just physically, but emotionally. So I'm going to read this. I, too, have a Bible. <laughs> I'm going to read from Matthew 10. Verse 34, it starts with, And Jesus is saying this to the people. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. We hear that. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take up his, it says here, cross, and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, anybody who knows me knows I'm not here to practice the worship of Jesus. So that cannot be what this is about. Because Jesus did not suggest that we worship Jesus. Jesus said, you will do what I do and greater than this. 
Jesus said, love God. It is the Father within me that does the works. Quit pointing at me. And yet we hear here, follow me. Well, to me that means follow the example. Look into what, what he's thinking here in his attempt to be free. And Jesus' message really was forgiveness for everything. Forgiveness. You want into the kingdom and that's a state of mind? Forgive everybody. It's like, oh man. Oh man, I, I, I can't do that. It's just too hard. It's just too hard to forgive everybody, isn't it? Anybody fully? You let everybody off the hook? Everybody, when you read the news, you look at the news, are they all off the hook? Are they all God's beloved beings and you're willing that they all experience joy at this moment? Is there anybody who still ought to pay for what they have done to you or to somebody else in your life? My, my friend Edwin Gaines, Reverend Edwin Gaines says, <clears throat> if you do not know if you still have anyone to forgive, here's the test. Do you still have a body? That's what it comes to. Do you still have a body? Because there's, uh, there's an itch somewhere. Somebody owes somebody something. Whether it's you or you think they owe somebody else something. And, I, and then I will forgive them. I've been with my own family for years. I never had the exact words to put to it until I started actively working on forgiveness. And I realized that I was willing to forgive them if they just made it not have happened. <laughs> if they could just undo the past, I will let you people off the hook. But until then, and then I heard a wise person say early on in my healing journey, I'm tired of waiting around for my parents to give me a good childhood. And I thought, oh, that was me. That was me. I was complaining up a storm, waiting for a good childhood. See, my family cannot undo the past, but I can. I can undo the past, and all I have to do is rethink it. But I have to rethink it with love, or with what I call God. I have to rethink it with principle. I have to rethink it. And the way to get to that is to look at my life right now. How's my life right now? If my life, if I can declare it good right now, then all that that got me here could not have been different in order to get me to this current good. If I'm not satisfied or uh, in love with myself now, and I think somebody else needed to have been different in order for me to be okay now, I still have the work to do. Not them. Not them. They do not owe me an amends, whoever them is. They do not have to rethink the past for me to be happy. I have to rethink the past for me to choose for joy, for me to choose for peace, for me to choose. I have to. Imagine if all of us became willing that all beings are experiencing joy right now. And I've said this before here. My thought is joyful people don't hurt other people. People in love don't hurt other people. Confused people hurt themselves and each other. But we do not have to maintain it by thinking, 
they shouldn't have done this, and now I can't be happy until they undo it. Then I'm maintaining the problem. And what happens? I don't get to experience peace. Peace is completely out of my, my realm of my grasp, my realm of experience. If I need everybody else or even other, somebody else to be different, then I, I'm in trouble. David and I have worked on this for years, years and years and years. We were not happy people. We were not at peace because we wanted the other one to change. We wanted the other one to be different. And we were only moderately willing to change ourselves. And then one day we both got willing to change ourselves. And with that, we needed the other one to be different less and less and less. Because we were so busy shifting ourselves that there were fewer things to complain about. We stopped competing. I don't know if all of you understand what it means to compete in a relationship. Competition is, you left your sink on the counter. Yeah, but you left your coat on the hook, on the, on the banister. That's competing. Yeah, but you. Yeah, but you. And it's like, we weren't talking about me right now. We were talking about you. And we've started to learn to listen. When one come, comes to the other one and says, this happened, we take the time to listen to what the other one is saying. And then later on, we can talk about what the other one is doing that is not satisfying us so much. And we go to therapy and things. Because peace is available. It is a promise, but I have to do the opening work to, to, to achieve it, to experience it. I have to. And I was promised it's possible. And so Jesus says, and I come not to, to bring you peace, but to bring a sword. And what is that sword? To cut through your thinking. To cut through, and, and with all due respect to our future in-laws here, where it says, <laughs> hate each other, <laughs> hate them. What it means is do not take on one another's beliefs as your own. Find your own spiritual journey so that you are not limited by another's spiritual journey or another's faith. My faith works pretty darn well for me when I practice it. But if I have to force other people into having the same faith, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. My mother preached a faith to me that was so limiting and so small. And I fought it from when I was a little boy. I said, yeah, you know, I, I, can't, I can't have a God that's going to send me to hell. I can't do it because I'm not going to love that God. I am not going to embrace that God. And so what I did was I rebelled to the point where I began to do things that were, I hated myself for. And then one day, somewhere in my 20s, I woke up and realized, oh, I want to love my family. I was even in my teens and I realized that I really want to love my family. I don't know how it's going to happen. And I began to pray. I prayed, prayed to a God I trusted that worked for me, that I knew was on my side. And was not, uh, and I didn't, and I never, ever wanted a God that was against anyone else. I couldn't afford that God. I couldn't afford a God that would send anyone to that fiery hell. And if you want to know more about that fiery hell, do, do research. You'll find out it's really not a place you go to when you die. It's a, it was actually the town dump in, outside of Jerusalem. 
Gehenna. And so people were threatening, you see, in the old days, the sacrifices were burnt there. And then in the old days, and and, and, and then the, the more modern times, like Jesus' time, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was where they burnt the town trash. And so imagine being threatened. If you're not good, we're going to throw you into the fire over there. And that's where that got started. When I was a little boy, if you're not good, we're going to call the boogeyman. If we're not good, Santa's not going to bring anything. If you're not good, God's going to be mad at you. While it may be well-intentioned in the misunderstanding of love between a parent and a child, it's mean. And it's unkind. And it uh, has what has fouled up so many of us in our belief system. I was not taught about a God of love. I came into unity and found that. And my, one of my first Sundays when I heard, you are good, and you can't not be good. God loves you with an everlasting love. Hopefully your behaviors will change. But you're not being judged in God by your behaviors. You will live in the results within principle, divine principle. So I'm going to read something. Uh, Ed Rabel, who's a unity minister, wrote an article about the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. Uh, Think not that I came to send peace on the earth. And Ed Rabel says this passage contains things that many people consider very puzzling, disturbing, and actually irreconcilable. It cries out for a metaphysical interpretation. Otherwise, there would be some contradictions, paradoxes that are a bit too strong when judged on the totally literal level. Uh, when Jesus used two words in a very special sense, the two words were his own. When Jesus is talking about anything concerning human beings to which he confers this, the phrase his own, he's always designating the personal self-centered state of consciousness. The old me and mine syndrome, his own household, then would refer to a very limited and self-centered set of personal consciousness. And so to begin to look at that and say, oh, that's what they're saying there. I don't have to be afraid of this stuff. There are so many people who uh, become their own worst enemy, and then they have to be right for some reason. Wouldn't you rather be wrong and at peace? Wouldn't you rather be wrong and in love? Wouldn't it be so much better if there weren't this side and this side, but there were people? There weren't this side and this side, there were God's beloved beings. Wouldn't it be so much better if there weren't yours and mine, but ours? Wouldn't it be so, you imagine, just take a moment to imagine the peace you would be, you would have, if there were no thought in your mind that you have to defend yourself. That you have no enemies. And neither does anyone else. That it's not about their property and their property and my property, it's our property Imagine, it just imagine, there's not your money, there's money, there's our money. There's not her love and his love, there's our love. Imagine that there were no lack for any being 
on the planet. But you see, we're going to go on here in a moment. Jesus says, don't think that I came to send peace on the earth. The symbol earth in Bible symbolism means the current state of a person's consciousness and the environment it is manifesting. It is the same meaning for a village, city, town, or whatever. These all have similar meaning, meanings. But Jesus, who knew us, tells us here not to think that his purpose for coming here, I love this, is to condone your current mode of reality or your current state of consciousness. He, he's saying he didn't come to give carte blanche for status quo. Where'd I go? <laughs> Nor did he come to give the kind of peace that the worldly-minded person thinks peace consists of. Jesus says he did not come to bring that kind of peace, but rather a sword, which is the very antithesis of that kind of peace. So what, what we're saying here is Jesus didn't come to make our misery more manageable. Jesus didn't come here to, as a preacher, as a teacher, as a healer, he didn't wake up to say, how can I make their lives just a little bit better? What he's talking about is that how do we get to a point where we know the physical is not the reality? The physical is not permanent. It's only based on what we think about it. There are no inherent meanings of anything on earth. There is nothing of earth that we all agree with. There's nothing of the body that we all agree with. There's nothing of money that we all agree with. There's nothing of relationships that we all agree with. There's nothing of the past that we all agree with. If we all did, then that might be the truth. <coughs> but we don't. And so when I see that, and it could be Jesus, it could be any teacher who does this, who implies this, who says this to you guys, or to us, you know, you guys, all of us, us guys, <clears throat> that your misery really is of no importance to me. What you worry about is of no importance to me. What you think is missing is of no importance to me. <clears throat> and we, many of us, excuse me, <clears throat> have tried to get uh, the God of our understanding to notice what's missing and give it to us. But how many of us are willing to change our beliefs in order to see it? And so you see, then we create what seems to be the absence of peace. Who here today would like to change their thinking. Anybody? Oh, I'm so glad. I do too. Yay, me too, me too. I would like to change my thinking so that I don't make this floor my reality because you see, if I do, I'm going to worry that the floor is going to collapse. And I don't want to make the weather my reality because then I'm going to worry that it will change or it will attack me. And I don't want to make you guys and your current state of thinking and my view of you guys as separate from me, my reality. Because if I do, I'm going to worry that you're going to leave me, you're going to attack me, you're going to hate me, you're going to love me in a way that I don't understand. 
I'm going to worry that you won't give me what I want. I'm going to worry that I'm going to have to give you something that's going to be inconvenient. I'm going to worry is the problem. I don't know about you. I have never worried and had peace at the same time. Anybody? And so, this cutting with a sword, this do not agree with your family over me, do not agree with your past and your ancestors over me, meaning spirit. Do not agree with the opposite of love over love. Agree with love, and love doesn't mean niceness. Love doesn't mean other people. Love is. Love is our God. Love is our, <coughs> excuse me, reality. Love is. Sorry. <coughs> I got a tickle. <laughs> and so, and I'm not laughing. <laughs> and so, jeez, my Christian. <coughs> Do you want some water? Yeah, my cup is right there next to the big hand on the thing. How do we invite ourselves to welcome that which does not change? To invite peace, to invite joy, to invite divine principle, to invite the, rea thank you, the reality of love into our daily moment-by-moment -moment experience. <coughs> it's going to cost us everything we've ever known. It's going to cost us every place we've ever been right. It's going to cost so much. And every time I've ever done it, it's been so worth it. Every time I've put down my belief that I'm under attack, that somebody is about to steal my good, or that I've got to get somebody else's good because I don't have enough of my own, Every time I put it down, I breathe. I breathe wellness. I breathe peace. I breathe joy. I breathe love. Every time. And then I think, okay, now I got it. And as soon as I think I got it, I don't so much got it. Every time. Every doggone time. And so, I invite you to take with you today this thought. God loves us just the way we are. What does that mean? That means I don't have to be guilty. I don't have to be guilty. People may not love me so much the way I am. People may not agree with me because they got their own thoughts, and their thoughts are so limited, and that doesn't matter. So people may not agree with me, but God loves me just the way I am and loves me too much to let me stay this way. Doesn't make this bad. It's just as if I stay this way, I don't grow. And I don't expand my understanding. And so I don't have to hate the way I am. But I must become willing that at all times, shift happens. Shift is taking place. Shift, subtle, sometimes abrasive, but shift is happening. Nothing of this earth stays the same for more than a few moments. 
Nothing in my body stays the same for more than a few moments. Nothing in my relationship stays the same for more than a few moments. Nothing in my money stays the same for more than a few moments. Nothing in the sky stays the same for more than a few moments. And if we become willing to stay with the shift, we won't regret it. We won't bemoan it. We won't criticize it. And we will never again have to be guilty. We will stay in love. We will stay in peace. We will stay in joy. We will embrace what we call our sonship with that which created us, whatever that is, the divine thought that created us. We can embrace our whole life experience and say yes, yes, yes. This just changed, but I'm not bad. And neither are they. And neither are we. We are love. We're always going to be love. It's not that love is on our path. It's that love is our path. I really encourage us all, as we move through this day, through the rest of this service, as we move through lunch, as we move through our life, to say, oh, shift just happened. Spirit, show me. Tell me. I'm open. Nobody's against me. Everyone's for me. And I am for everyone. Take a breath. Let us now say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So it is. Amen.